Good morning. Just so y'all know, if I spit, I might spit in those two couple of chairs down there, but we should be all right. It's been a great day so far today. Thank you, Jesus, for the sugar. It's been a great day. Listen, let's do this. Can we do this this morning? I'm going to say something, and I want you to follow behind me. We've sort of done this over the past several years, but I'm going to say he is risen, and I want you guys to say he's risen indeed. Can we do that? So let's just see how awake you are this morning. He is risen. He is risen indeed. That's not bad. He is risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen. He is risen indeed. And that's why we're here today. Amen. You know, it's, it's a privilege to listen to some of these testimonies that you hear, but you always don't hear the whole story. I, I have the privilege of sitting behind the scenes sometime and getting to know all the stories. I, I love every one of their stories. I've had the privilege of interacting with them at different times and different places. Um, but I, I love Maggie's story because she talks about Billy Graham like he's her, like, like she, you know, like he just sits, you know what I'm saying? She's heard so many stories from Billy Graham. She just talks like, well, he's just right there. And, and, uh, but this is what their family did. And Dave, I don't know if he's back in here at this time, but in, in our conversations as a family, they came to know Jesus um, sitting around the table during COVID. Dave had, had found Billy Graham on the internet, on YouTube, and they would sit around. And you know what they would call that time? They called it Graham Cracker time. And they would sit around the table and they would listen to a dead man tell the story that was told 2,000 years ago, but still is very powerful just as it was back then. Isn't that incredible? And today you're going to hear the same story. We're going to talk about Jesus. That's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the resurrection and the privilege we have of serving him. And I want you to turn over in the, in the, uh, into the New Testament to the book of Acts. We're going to be there today in Acts chapter th 13. And while you're doing that, I don't know if I were to ask you what were two, two words put together in the English language, what two words would you think might be most influential? Some people would say the words thank you. Is thank you important? That's an important, those are important two words, right? Or maybe it's the words uh, well done. Um, we all like to hear it. Man, you did a great job. Well done. Um, I think if you're a business owner in this day and time, you're, a, you're a, a young married couple or even a college student, maybe an envelope with the words checking closed. <laughs> Matter of fact, we all like that regardless. But, um, but I think if we were to really look about two words that were very, very important, two words today that I'm thinking about are two words that are life-changing. They not only bring peace in the storm, but they bring life to places life to places of death, light in the midst of darkness. And the two words that I'm thinking about are two words that if we were to look at the scriptures and we were to take and throw them all out, these would be two words that we would find in and around the scriptures in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. And when we hear these two words, these two words remind us of the faithfulness of God, the power of God, and also the, the goodness of God. And those two words are, but God. But God. Martin Lloyd-Jones once said this, these two words, but God, and, and any of themselves, in a sense, contain the whole gospel. And what I want you to know today is that I love these two words. I love these two words because I think they're so applicable to us because regardless of what you've done in the past, the mistakes that you've made, the, the failures that you've experienced, 
What I want you to know is that these words, but God, when we have a but God moment in our life, they have a way of changing everything. Not only your past, but also your future, where you're the direction of where you're headed. Now, the first word is a, is a conjunction. It means on the contrary. We use this word to connect statements, statements that may contrast or contradict one another. Um, maybe like, I like French fries, but I love onion rings. Now, how many people like onion rings? Yeah, lots of people. Um, or it could be, I, I, um, I love chocolate. Why am I thinking about food today? I love chocolate cake, which I really don't love chocolate cake, but I, but, 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 but I love carrot cake more. So I'm hoping today we're going to have carrot cake for, for lunch. But when you add the word God to the mix, the possibilities all of a sudden become endless. Those things that were once impossible become possible. And so here we are, we're 40 years after the resurrection of Jesus, when he's been resurrected from the dead. We find the Apostle Paul and Barnabas, they've been sent out, they've been commissioned by the church in Antioch. They've been going around, they're sharing the gospel, and they're in a synagogue. And, and at some point in time, some joker stands up and says, well, has anybody else got anything they'd like to say? And Paul says, yeah, man, I'd love to be able to share something. And these are some of the words that we read from Paul today that he spoke 2,000 years ago in the midst of sharing the gospel. And this is what Paul said, brothers, there in chapter 13 of Acts, Acts 13 in verse 26 and following, brothers, you sons of Abraham and also you God-fearing Gentiles, this message the message of salvation has been sent to us. The people in Jerusalem and their leaders did not recognize Jesus as the one that the prophets had spoken about. Instead, they condemned him, and in doing this, they fulfilled the prophet's words that are read every Sabbath. They found no legal reason to execute him, but they asked Pilate. If you know who Pilate was, Pilate would have been the governor of Judea. He would have been the one that would have been commissioned. He would have been the one that was responsible for presiding over the trial of Jesus. And he didn't want, to be, he didn't want anything of it. He wouldn't have any part of it. But he did it anyway. And it said to have him killed, talking about Jesus. Verse 29, when they had done all the, that the prophecy said about him, they took him down from the cross and they placed him in a tomb. And there's, here's our words there in verse 30. Look at what he said, but God... But God raised him from the dead. And Paul goes on to say in verse 31, and for many days, talking about after the resurrection, he was seen by those who had traveled with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. And now they're his witnesses to our people. We tell you the good news when God promised our ancestors, he was, he was fulfilled, he has fulfilled for us their children by raising up Jesus. Can we pray together today? Father, this is what I know. We're going to read and we're going to talk about your word today. And may the presence be very clear in this place. Jesus, this is what I know. There are different people from different places. Places upon the journey. Some further than others. But what I do know is that there's a desperate need for your interaction. For us to have those but God moments. Father, would you be in this, in this place over these next few minutes as we... As we talk and as we share, that's what I ask today. In Jesus' name, amen. So here's Paul having given an account of Jesus' life. He'd showed up on the scene, the Messiah, and yet he was not only recognized, but he, wasn't, he was rejected. He was crucified. He was placed in a tomb. 
and yet he would be resurrected. Paul gives the account of this but God moment and what seemed impossible at that time took place because Jesus was raised from the dead and that's, that's why we're assembled here today. People are assembled all around the world celebrating Easter and the resurrection of Jesus. And today I would like to just give you a few things that I think that are really important that I'd like for us to focus, not a lot today, but just a little bit. And I want to start out with this, that God has a message for you. God has a message for us. Look at what he said. Paul said, brothers and sisters there in verse 26, you sons of Abraham, the Jews, and also you God-fearing Gentiles. All of us, this message of salvation has been sent to us. God's message of salvation wasn't just for some, but God's message of salvation is for all, for all of us. There are none that are, no, no one is exempt from that. Since the beginning of time, God has spoken this message. God has spoken to us. He's spoken to us through creation. God speaks to us through through his creation. The Bible says that the heavens declare the glories of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. And God not only speaks through us generally, but he also speaks through us very, very specifically through his word and through his prophets. The writers in Hebrews would say this in Hebrews chapter one. Long ago, God spoke in many ways and in many times to our ancestors through the prophets. Simply put, this is what I want you to know today. God wants to communicate with us because he has a message for us. God has a message for us. He wants us to hear. But in those moments and times when we don't hear God, when those moments and times when we don't understand, we have a tendency to want to create something called religion. Religion. Religion is man's attempt, our attempt to reach God and to understand him. What's incredible is that God never has waited on us to come to him, but he first came to us. God has desired from the beginning to make himself known to us, to reveal himself all the way from the book of Genesis, all the way to the end of Revelation, from the Garden of Eden, all the way to the end when he returns. There in the parting of the Red Sea, there in the flood, there in the time of the giving of the commandments and the rescuing the people out of Egypt, God has desired to speak to us. And God not only spoke to us through the prophets, but he also spoke through the prophets as he communicated his truth and his desires. And you know, you know why God speaks to us? That's the question, by the way. It's because he loves us. I mean, when you communicate with people, when you want to have a conversation, when you call somebody, when you text them, I mean, why are you? Because you want to have a relationship. You want to talk to somebody because you, you love them. And he wants to know that we are loved beyond anything. And not just the fact that we're loved, but God wants us to know that he has a purpose and that he has a plan for our life. God wants us to know that we don't have to live in a sense of hopelessness but that we can be hopeful. Even in those times when we blow it, anybody in here blown it? As I look across, I see a lot of people that's blown it. As I look in the mirror, I see the same thing. And yet there may be some of you here today that you're here, you're going through the motions, you're doing everything you can, but at this moment in time, you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. And you know what I'm talking about. Nothing, though, could be further than the truth. Because there is light and there is life in Jesus. 
And God loves us, and he has a message for us, and he wants us to hear that. I'm reminded of the story of the young mother who had three children, and she was approached one day by a gentleman, and the gentleman asked her a very awkward question. The question was, listen, ma'am, out of your three children, which one do you love the most? And she sort of laughed awkwardly herself, and she said, I love all three of my children. Thank you very much. And he said to her, ma'am, I hate to disagree with you, but psychologically that's impossible. You love one of your children more than you love the others. And she thought for a moment, and then she began to, to grasp a little bit about what he was talking about, and she began to weep. And she said, you know what you're saying is right, because one of, when one of my children is sick, I love them more. When one of my children is hurting, I love them more. When one of my children is discouraged, I love them more. But I love all of my children. It was St. Augustine in the early Christian theologian that once said, God loves each of us as if there was only one of us to love. And you need to know that today. That's a message that every one of us in this room needs to hear. Those that are tuned in via internet, you need to hear that. We need to hear that message. We need to hold on to that message. I mean, how many times have I met people over the years and they say, but Sid, you have no earthly idea what I've, what I've done. And in my years of ministry and life, many times over, I've seen people refuse and reject God's love. And today... Today, you being here is not an accident. It's an appointed time. It's an appointed place with a very much needed message that Jesus loves us. God not only has a message for us, but secondly, I want you to see that God sent a messenger to us. Look at what he says there in verse 27. He said the people of Jerusalem and their leaders did not recognize Jesus as the one the prophets had spoken about. Instead, they condemned him, and in doing this, they fulfilled the prophets' words that are read every Sabbath. And here we see Paul moving from the message to talking about the messenger, and God's ultimate message wasn't just a set of laws. It wasn't just this set of instructions for us as humanity to follow, but God's message was a person. It was Jesus. And all the prophecies and all the stories that we, we find inside of the, the Old Testament point us towards the Messiah, the one who would come to deliver us. That word Messiah means anointed one. It means chosen one, the one who was sent to save us. Going back to that passage in the book of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 1, to read it again, long ago spoke many times, God spoke many times, and in many ways to our ancestors, through the prophets. And then in verse 2 he says, and now in these final days, by the way, we're living in the final days. In these final days he has spoken to us through his son, the messenger. See, in the Old Testament we see the story unfolding, but we don't get a full picture of God's story just thumbing through the Old Testament because the story was yet complete. It was in the New Testament, though, that we see John introducing one of the, one of the, uh, one of the Gospels. In the Gospel of John, we see how God uh, used John to introduce Jesus when he said in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was with God and, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory full of grace and truth. And God just didn't wait on us to come to him, but he willingly sent his Son who would come to us in the flesh. Emmanuel, God 
with us, and the message wasn't fully understood until the messenger himself appeared, and he began to teach us and to show us what the person of God was like, his character and his truths. However, there are those people that, that believe that what you believe, what you hold on to isn't, isn't that as important as long as you're sincere. And there's a common thread that runs throughout world religions that say that Jesus was a man. That Jesus, that Jesus was a man and he did live. And there are those that say that he was a good man, that he was a, he was a righteous man, he was a holy man, he was a prophet, he was a miracle worker, he was the, a teacher, he was the son of Mary. And yet, how many times do they miss for the fact that he was much more than that? That he was Savior, that he was God's Son who was sent to save us. And Jesus would tell us himself that what we believe does matter. In Matthew chapter 7, there in that gospel passage in 7.13, Jesus himself would say you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. What we believe does matter. That the highway to hell is broad and the gate is wide and difficult, but only a few will ever find it. Talking about the narrow road. And what about you today? What road are you on? The wide, wide road that leads to destruction that many will travel? Or the narrow road which leads to Jesus? You know, there's some differences between Christianity and other world religions. Let me give you a couple. Religion is man's attempt to make our way to God, and yet, whereas we see Christianity as God's decision to make his way towards us. Religion is our futile attempt as man to reach and discover and to be able to understand God, whereas Christianity shows us that God is unconditional in his love towards us. First John, the apostle John, would write these words in John chapter 4, 1 John 4, 9 and 10, that God showed us how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we love God but that he loved us and he sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. What about the second thing, the second difference between Christianity and other world religions? Religion consists of sets of rules for us to follow in an effort to appease God, to earn his love, whereas Christianity isn't about that at all, but it's about having a relationship with God. Man, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm so thankful that God's love for us isn't based on, in, on, our, on our efforts or on our works. I mean, think about that. I mean, if that were the case, I mean, how far would we have to go for God to love us? What would be the point that we would have to live? How much would we have to do for God to be able to love us? And yet, how many of us are on that, that Ferris wheel going round and round and round and round, continuing to wonder, am I doing enough for God to love me? But God loves us, period. God's love isn't circumstantial. It's not based upon what we do or what we don't do, but God's love is unconditional. I love in the Old Testament, the book of Psalms, the writing in there in one, chapter 145, 18 and 19, and the psalmist declared, the Lord is close to all who call upon him. Those who call upon him, yes, to all who call on him in truth, he grants the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cries for help and he rescues them. I, I don't know, when I, when I think about people that have impacted my life, the, the people that I think about aren't the people that have sat behind the desk that have told me all the things that I need to know. It's not the, it's not the person that has written a book. 
But the people that have had the greatest impact on my life as I look back over the years, Kyle, have been those people that have invested in me. Those people that have sat with me and had conversations with me. The people that have cried with me, that have wept with me, that have, that have engaged me. The people that didn't run from me when I blew it. The people that have, that have, have seen to have the greatest impact on my life are those ones that were willing to have, have lunch with me and buy my lunch, by the way. Just, just want, want you guys to know that. <laughs> and yet that's what our Heavenly Father does. Not by our lunch, but, but, but he wants to have those conversations. Have you ever thought about the fact that Jesus isn't up there, but he's here? And he's here. And he's with us at all the time, and yet we're still looking for him. That relationship is available through his son, Jesus, the scripture says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son that whosoever believes in him wouldn't perish but have eternal life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by me. Christianity isn't about keeping the rules. It's not about perfection. But it's about the relationship, a personal relationship with Jesus. Looking back at our passage, look there in Acts 13, 28 and 29. Paul went on to say they found no legal reason to execute him, but they asked Pilate to have him killed anyway. When they had done all that the prophecy said about him, talking about the crucifixion, they took him down from the cross and they placed him in a tomb. Even though they could not figure out, find a way, find a reason to execute Jesus, they still wanted him dead. The very people that Jesus himself would come to save were the same ones that would have him arrested were the same ones that would shout over and over and over, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. John 1.10, he came into the very world he created, but the world did not recognize him. He came to his own people and even they rejected him. Here are the Jews the ones that had waited for such a long time for this Messiah that had been prophesied for years and years and years. And yet when Jesus shows up, they were not only didn't recognize him, they rejected him. They rejected him by crucifying him. And we read this and a man of heart goes, I can't believe you would do that. And yet how often do we do the exact same thing? But that wasn't the end of the story. See, the chief priest and Pilate and the crowds, they had their plan, but they didn't have the last word. But, but God did. But God did. Going back to the differences, if I can just for a second, between Christianity and world religion, see, this is another difference. See, Muhammad is dead, and, and Buddha is dead, and Joseph Smith is dead, and Gandhi is dead, and Darwin is dead, and Confucius is dead, and every other pope will die, but Jesus is alive. Amen? Amen. Jesus is alive, and the other difference is Christianity has an empty tomb. Since the resurrection of Jesus, people have been looking for the body of Jesus, but with no luck because it's not there. Some said, well, listen, somebody stole his body. Others said, well, he was never dead to begin with. But I will tell you this, the scripture says that the tomb is empty. And in Matthew chapter 28, the scripture says that he isn't there. He's risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come see where his body was lying, not is lying. Which leads me to the last point. God's works despite us. God works despite us. Look at verse 
there in verse 30, picking it up. But God raised him from the dead. And over a period of many days, he appeared to those who had gone with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. They are now his witnesses to the people of Israel. In other words, Jesus wasn't just crucified, buried and placed in the tomb. He just, he just didn't disappear, but there was evidence that Jesus was resurrected from the dead. Paul, in his writings to the church at Corinth, said, look, he said, guys, I want you to know Jesus, he's not dead. He's not dead. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he went on to, to give this, this essay about the fact that they had seen, that Peter had seen him. And then the 12 talking about the other disciples. And after that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time. Here's Paul saying, look, man, if you don't believe me, why don't you go back to Jerusalem? Because there are plenty of people that are still living there that saw him with their own eyes. And then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. And last of all, Paul said, can I tell you my story? Because even though I was born at the wrong time, I also saw him. Paul said, listen, I'm going to tell you what everybody else said, but I'm not basing everything on what everybody else said because I saw him with my own eyes. But God, God raised him from the dead. Those two words... Everybody thought it was over. Can you imagine what it would have been like at that time to have been a follower of Jesus, to not know to sit where we sit on the other side of the story? Here they are, the crucified Christ, put in a tomb. Now what? Everything that you would hope for, everything that they had dreamed about, all of their hopes and dreams all of a sudden were not just shattered, but they became hopeless. Who were they now? Who were they following now? A man who had been crucified, who had no power that at one time they thought would come and deliver them. But no, Jesus would give his life as a sacrifice. And it would be his blood that would be shed for not just their sins, but our sins. And Paul said, I saw him with my own eyes. But God, those two words, they're life-changing. Their life altering from death to life, from hopelessness to hope. And when Paul was referring and talking to the believers at Ephesus, he said, look guys, man, I want you to dead. That there was a moment in time in your life that even as a believer now, that you were dead in your sin, you were doomed forever. You deserve God's wrath and his judgment. You were living under siege by Satan himself. You were obeying the evil desires of your heart. You were living apart from God. And then he said in, in, in chapter two, verses Four and following, but God, but God in his rich and mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, that he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. See, I, I have a but God moment in my life. I'm, I remember as a young man when I came to the place of recognizing that, man, I was lost. And I was on that wide road that was headed to hell. I didn't know Jesus. And I was trying to work my way there. I promise you, I did everything I could. But man, I was a mess. And yet I had that but God moment when I recognized that I was a sinner. And I recognized that I needed Jesus. And I recognized that Jesus had died on a cross for me. And I recognized that I needed to trust him. And at that moment in time, I cried out to Jesus and said, Jesus, I don't understand it all but I want to confess my sin and I want to place my faith in you. And Jesus, I want to live for you. I want to surrender my life for you, to you.
Jesus, I want to accept you. I want to make you Lord of, of my life. And God in his mercy and his grace, because of his son and his sacrifice for my sin, set me free. And you know, just as Christ was raised from the dead, we can be raised from the dead as well. You have the ability to go from death to life, from hopelessness to hope. You know, when you walked in today, you guys got a card. And last year we did this and it was very helpful. And I I went through and I read every one of these cards. And I read these cards because you guys are important and we want to do a good job at trying to minister. And this is not a perfect place because it's made up of imperfect people. But I want you to know this. We sat in that corner last night and we prayed for you. We prayed for those of you that would be here today. We prayed for everything that would be taking place in these services and we asked for God's blessings. And we also prayed for this time. And on the back side of that card, there's one last question. And that question is this, do you know Jesus? Have you had a but God moment in your life? Have you come to the place that you know without a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today, you know where you'd spend eternity? Have you had that time where you have experienced that but God moment and you have a relationship with Jesus and you've been baptized? Maybe that's you. If you're answering this question, do you know Jesus? Maybe that's you. Yes, I do know Jesus. What about maybe you're B, I have a relationship with Christ, but I need to be baptized. There may be some of you here today that listen, you've made a profession of faith, but you have never followed through in baptism. Let me say this right here. I bet you it's not because you're afraid of water. I bet you it maybe it's because you're prideful. You got to get rid of that, people. Jesus is about humbling ourselves and coming before Him and letting the world know that we reckon. I want the world to know to recognize that I have surrendered my life to Jesus. Are you with me? Some of you may, may be, that may be you. Be, I, I need to be baptized. There may be some of you here that would say, said, I'm not a believer and I'm, I'm ready today though to make a, to have a relationship with Christ. I, I need to give my life to Christ. I've never confessed my sins. I've never asked Jesus. I've never surrendered my life to Christ. And that may be you today. That may be what you need to circle. Or there may be some of you that would say, listen, I, I'm honestly just not, not ready to commit. And as much as I hate that, I, Man, I respect that, and I'm so thankful. Because heritage isn't made up of perfect people. Man, it's people at different places along the journey and the spiritual journey that we're on. And for you to tell me, said I'm not there, man, I respect that and I honor that. But I want you to know this, that I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you. And I'm not asking you to put your names on anything. I'm not asking for that at all. Don't want your names. But there are maybe some of you that would, or, or would circle B. And if you're really serious about wanting to, to understand and know more what it, it is to be baptized, I would love for you to write your information there so that we can communicate with you. We can get with you and, and talk to you about that next step. Or maybe there's some of you here that are C and said, I'm not a believer, but I would really like to talk to somebody about what it's like to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And I want you to know even today, you don't have to wait to talk to me, but right there where you are, and you can call out to God and ask him to save you. You can confess your sins right there where you are, and you can cry out to Him. The Bible says that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Not somebody who says a prayer, not somebody who fills out a card, but somebody who's willing to humble their heart, to be serious with God, and say, Jesus, I need you. 
And if that's where you're at today, right there, where you are, you have the ability to cry out to him and say, Jesus, I want to know you personally. Will you save me? I believe that you rose from the dead. And Jesus, I want to experience that but God moment where my life goes from death to life, from hopelessness to hope. Jesus, I want you to change my life. And if that's you, man, and you're serious about that, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do today. I didn't do this in the first service. Is Brian Williams here? Alan, you can come. Would you stand right there? And Brian, maybe if Brian's here, Brian can stand over here. If that's you today, surely you can, you can drop that card off as you leave in one of these boxes. You can hand it to one of the ushers that will be standing at the door. Or what you can do today is you can bring one of your cards down to these guys and say, man, listen, would you pray with me? I want you to know that I need Jesus or I need to be baptized. Maybe you need some prayer. We're going to sing a song. You can sing with us today. It's called the anthem. And at the end of this anthem, we're going to be closing out our time today. But this is what I want you to know. Can you, can you, if, if, can you imagine if God could raise Jesus from the dead, can you imagine what he could do in your life if you would give him, if you would surrender and you'd give him control? Did you hear that? If he can raise the dead to life, imagine what God could do with you if you were to say, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. You know whose ball game, ball, you know, you know whose whose ballpark that sits in? Yours. Because Jesus has already done it all. Only thing you have to do is be willing to receive that gift. So I want to pray with you today, and then after that, we're going to sing. And I'm going to come back up at the end um, just to make one final announcement. If you're here today and you want to bring those cards to these guys, you can. If not, you can give them when you walk out the door. Father, today I'm just very thankful for the privilege we have of, of, uh, of talking about those but God moments, the greatest of all when Jesus was raised from the dead. Those moments in time when people thought he was dead, he was gone. But God, that was not the end of the story. And today, because of the but God moment 2,000 years ago, we stand here to declare that you are Lord. We celebrate Easter in a risen Savior. Jesus, would you be with us today as we contemplate where we are. In Jesus' name.
want you guys to be seated for a second. I'd love for Mike Tucker, Dale Tucker to come. You want to come with your family? Back a few months ago, Mike and Dale moved, and we didn't have the opportunity to pray over them. And uh, this is a family that we love dearly that have been with us since the beginning of... The beginning. A long time. I've talked him out of job offer after job offer after job offer, and finally I didn't make it there fast enough. I kept putting you down as a reference. I was wondering why I was getting jobs. <laughs> and uh, Mike and Dale moved a couple of months ago over to the coast. Mike accepted a position as Flagler County, County Fire Chief. Mm-hmm. And yes, this is a man of character, a wife of character that loves Jesus. They've already gotten involved in a, in a church family over there, a church plant similar to Heritage, I believe. At seven o'clock this morning, he was on the beach over sand in his shoes and, uh, and they made their way over here to be with us in our 1030 service this morning. And I wanted us to be able to pray over them. I'd like to bring up the lights. I'd like for Dan. And listen, if you have, I can't do this, but because there would be too many people up here. Um, but if you would like to come, if, if you would like to stand where you are just on their behalf, if you know Mike and Dale, it would be best. But some of you that were in a small group with, with Mike and Dale, if you guys would come, we would love to be able to pray over them today. We send them out graciously as missionaries of the DNA of this church family to go and to be a part and to continue to do what they've done here to love people, to love people and to love Jesus. And so if you have a relationship with them, if you'd like to stand right there where you are, if you're in a small group with them and you'd like to come today, I'd love for you to come on this stage and stand with us today. I want you to know, Mike and Dale, that we send you guys out hesitantly, <laughs> but with much excitement. That church family will be blessed by y'all's presence. And I'd like to be able to, to pray over you today. Can I do that? Father, we're blessed as a church family, not only to gather to talk about Jesus, but it's a blessing for us just as the church at Antioch blessed and sent out Paul and Barnabas. We send out this couple. Father, this is a couple that have invested their time and their resources in the planning of this church family. God, they're a very big part of us. It's tough for us to see them to go, but God, it's also a blessing to see the stories of what you're doing in their lives and how you're using them where they are. And that's a blessing. And so for us today as a church family, we say we send you with great joy and great anticipation of carrying the carrying the gospel to the ends of the earth, that from a kingdom perspective, what a blessing it is for us to know that, that the, this church body that is receiving them are getting healthy, a healthy family that loves Jesus and loves God. Father, I pray you would use them in the days ahead and we would continue to hear stories about, Father, people's lives that are being changed as they, as they see and as they experience authentic community. Thank you for this morning, this blessed morning that we've had for all these services and all the laughter and the praise and the tears and the incredible music, the baptisms that we've experienced today, may we never forget that if it wasn't for Jesus, where would we be? 
It's all about those but God moments and may we continually not just experience a but God moment, but may we be looking for but God moments all the time. You've got great things in store. Help us to not miss them because of our foolishness. Help us to continue to live in humility, in graciousness, recognizing who sits on the throne and it's not us. May we seek to promote your name and not the name of this, this church family. God, may we be more about what's taking place in and around our communities in the presence of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, for our day today. And as we pray, I pray that we, we go out the doors today recognizing that you are, you are God. And your son that was sent, even though he wasn't recognized, even though he was rejected and he was executed there on that cross, he was placed in a tomb. We celebrate today a risen Savior that one day he is in heaven preparing a place for us, but one day he's coming back. And we anticipate that day, but until that time, may we be workers. May we be very active in sharing the gospel to those around us, not just in what we say, but how we choose to live. Bless us in the remainder as we walk out of these doors, Father. May the words of Jesus not just be on our mouths on Sunday mornings, but seven days a week. Thank you, Jesus, for saving us, for the blessing of your presence in this place today. And all God's people, all God's people said, Amen.